Welcome to On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge, powered by Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, Rapid SOS is sharing critical data with 911 to help first responders like myself get the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become Rapid SOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit rapidsos.com today. Now on with the show. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. I am wicked excited to highlight the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources for public safety. Currently, I am the Public Safety Community Engagement Manager at Rapid SOS. With 24 years in public safety, I am truly honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of new technology, out-of-the-box thinking, and mental health support services to save lives on both sides of the call. Hey friends, welcome to episode five. My guest today is dear friend and colleague, Jonathan Jones. After spending 13 years with the athens Clark County Police Department as the 911 Operations Coordinator, Jonathan has joined the Georgia Emergency Management and Homeland Security Agency as an Emergency Communications Area Field Coordinator. Jonathan also serves the 911 industry as the Vice President of Georgia APCO, a board member of the Georgia Emergency Number Association, Deputy State Coordinator of the Georgia Telecommunicator Emergency Response Task Force and a founding member of the Georgia Association of Women in Public Safety. Today we will be discussing his drive to make bold changes in the 911 industry and the role he played in the recent TURT deployment to Baldwin County 911 in Alabama in response to Hurricane Sally. Wow. Jonathan, you have a pretty full plate, my friend, and I am honored to have you here. Welcome. How are you doing these days? Thank you, Tracy. I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, I appreciate you having me on today. It is a lot on my plate, but I enjoy it. Um, I say it keeps me young, even though it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and just want to thank you so much for taking the time to have me with you today. Oh, you knew you knew my friend right from the get go that you you were going to be joining me. We have I feel like we've only known each other for, you know, like three years, but it feels like we've we've just been connected somehow forever. So truly appreciate you being here. So with that, I I do want to start off, let folks get to know you. My first question is, how did you get your start in public safety? So just real quick, I'll step back before I joined um, public safety. I started my first job at a local newspaper in the work-based learning program, uh, which is basically where I left high school at lunch and went and worked. Um, That was a great way for me to learn about entering the workforce, but I always wanted a career in public safety. I didn't know where I wanted to be. I didn't know if I wanted to be in a police car or riding in an ambulance or on a fire truck. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to work in public safety. I knew that much. Um, So again, I had a great experience with that program at uh, high school, but I wish I could have, looking back on it, if I could have just done that and done it in public safety and went and entered that way, um, it would have been great. So yeah, I, I, that was my, 911 was my open door to public safety. Um, kind of a funny story, um, I used to do ride-alongs with my local sheriff's office, and 
I actually found that I enjoyed going and sitting in the 911 center before or after those ride-alongs than I did actually being in the car. So I met someone there named Keith Kelly. He worked for the Oconee County Sheriff's Office for the 911 center. And I, I sat there in the center and was just mesmerized by the fact that you actually could help somebody sitting there answering a telephone and using a computer screen and a radio. I just thought that was the pretty much the coolest thing ever. Sure, the flashing lights and sirens are cool. That's great. But actually just being able to, to make a change in somebody's life from, from what I saw on that end. And of course I was young, but it still was very neat for me. Um, and I tie that in to say that um, when I did that that sit along in that nine to one center, the person that I sat along with actually went to be the director at a neighboring county. I started emailing him saying, hey, I'm kind of interested in this job. Don't know a whole lot about it. Don't know what I'm getting into. Definitely something I want to look into. And I applied for the job. Again, talked to him some, did some observations there at the center that he was at now. And uh, got hired on there at the athens Park County Police Department as a communications officer in 2006. And that was it. You just knew that that was where you were going to be for a while, right? Like, and so I, I just want to talk a little bit about how we met. I, and, and I know that you recently left the 911 center. And when you and I met, I had not long before that left the 911 center and I was kind of in this new world. But you were one of the, the first folks that I actually you know, got to meet. And uh, I just want to talk about how we did meet. Do you recall where and when we met? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> and it's a funny story, but yeah, it was at the um, ASCO National Conference in 2017 in Denver, Colorado. We had, but we had a Young Professionals Mixer event. Yep. And it's kind of funny. I've got a funny story that you may or may not know about, but we'll cover it and we won't embarrass anyone with it. But um, I remember my good friend, Brian LaMonica, telling me that Tracy was someone that I had to meet, and um, that's where I ended up doing it. It was at the Young Professionals Mixer. You were there in your your role, and uh, that's where we met, and really glad that we did. Oh, that's awesome. So I never knew that Brian had told you that. I, I love our good friend, Brian LaMonica. Um, he'll be coming on as, as a guest at some point in the near future as well. Yeah, I we were at the Young Professional Mixer and, you know, I always joke, I, I don't think I should have been there because I was out of the age bracket, but yet the company that I work for, Rapid SOS, was actually the sponsor. So I remember meeting you kind of right at the beginning of the night and I just kept coming back and we just kept chatting and chatting and then we we hit it off. And and I remember, you know, at that moment we were we we're a new company. We were really trying to get folks to to fully understand what we were trying to do in the industry. And, and I was basically trying to sell you a free product that, that didn't exist yet. I, it would be irresponsible for me not to talk about, you know, when we first met, it was like, I dragged you into this cult, if you will, right? Like <laughs> getting you to truly believe that what we were going to provide as far as, as technology, but where was the first time that you heard about the rapid SOS technology? Was it at the Young Professionals Mixer where I kind of dragged you in kicking and screaming? Or did you hear about it before and you just weren't kind of like, like at what point did you go, oh, this is, this is something I need to pay attention to? Yeah, I, I heard about it from other leaders before the Mixer. Uh, the Mixer is kind of where I first got my tie-in with you and hearing from it kind of directly. Um, but I've heard from it, you know, on social media and from other 911 centers. I just didn't know enough about it to really um, to, to 
take it to the next level. But talking to you there and learning about what you were doing and what Rapid SOS was doing um, was really kind of, again, the jumping off point that, hey, I need to take this back to my center and we need to look at this instead of just, oh, yeah, I've heard about it and don't really know what it is. But, um, that yeah. was, again, that was the jumping off point. So I would say it was a combination. I can mostly blame uh, I can mostly blame it on Tracy influence, but it was others <laughs> that were endorsing it too that kind of got me uh, dragged in. Awesome. And and you were one of the front runners in Georgia. You know, we have a lot of amazing leaders in Georgia that have really taken their centers to the next level with so many different pieces of technology. Um, but we were making some pretty bold claims. Like, you know, we were kind of committing to, oh yeah, like we're going to get Apple and Google to turn on location services at the time of a 911 call and deliver that location. And and I do think at some points, folks thought we were, were crazy, but then we had folks like, like you and so many others that believed in us, right? And no matter what it was that we were going to do, you wanted it to be a part of it. You were a huge fan, early adopter of a lot of the things, but do you remember what you thought? So, so just like with a lot of things, we know when certain stuff is coming, we, we obviously can't share it publicly. And, and that kills me because I'm all about bringing exciting news. But at the National Nina Conference in June of 2018, I woke up one morning to the announcement that we had all been waiting for that Apple was agreeing to partner with us and send device-based hybrid location to our clearinghouse at the time, what did you think about that? And not long after Google agreed as well. Like, do you remember what your thoughts were when, when you started seeing the announcements that this was really gonna happen? Oh yeah, I, was, I remember everything. And there's only one word to describe it, it was excited. And um, the reason for that is because we, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here with our audience, but we've been wanting this change for years. We've been trying to address the location accuracy problem for years. Um, and we've been heard, hearing there's a fix coming and, the, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that, but actually see it coming in a, in a um, platform that we can access for free was a completely, that, that coming to reality was just a huge, exciting moment. Um, so, yeah, just that's the only word I can use to describe it was excited. I would say wicked excited, but, you know, that's how, <laughs> that's how I roll. I have to add wicked to everything. Of course. Um, so... Early on, we knew that if there was anything that, that we wanted to test, you were, you were all about it. Um, and we know that you were, I think you were actually the first agency in Georgia to activate the Uber integration. Is that correct? That is. We were the first in Georgia to do that. So what made you do that? Like, cause again, brand new technology, not sure how it's going to roll out. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I got kind of two different thoughts. Um, I'm kind of bipolar in that area because I do like staying on the bleeding edge of technology, but I also realize the risk of being on the bleeding edge of technology. Um, with this situation with Rapid SOS, it was just a little bit easier to do with y'all because of your, your communication. Y'all are so good about responding to everything and telling us what's coming and letting us know what's going on um, with everything, both with your support, with future uh, features and releases. Um, just everything with this, um, there was kind of it was kind of a no-brainer, a no-lose situation because what what are we going to lose? What what are we not getting before that you, you know we couldn't? What what are we going to lose there? 
Um, so for the Uber integration, yeah, we saw an opportunity to to bring the new technology into the 911 center, but we also were careful about not bringing in um, a bunch of different screens and a bunch of different things for people to have to log into. So being able to have it in one portal that we already had, again, just kind of made it a no a no lose win win situation for us to to bring more resources to our telecommunicators. That's that's awesome, and I think you know one of the things that I I see is folks are nervous about having to have an extra screen or, you know, that it's going to take a little bit of time at the time. All we had was query view where the dispatcher would have to go to the portal and type in the phone number. And many agencies are still on query view, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, and it is a matter of us getting the information out to folks, but I'm going to talk about jurisdiction view in a second. Cause you were one of one of our beta sites to test jurisdiction view. But when you look at taking in the Uber information to know that there's the potential, even if it's not there every time, right? Like to know that there's the potential, it's almost like winning the lottery. I'm going to type that phone number in and there is a very big chance that there's a location sitting there, an accurate location or additional data from sources such as Uber. But there's so many other sources that are sending data now that is is crazy to me. We have so much medical data and demographic data, you know, name, date of birth, emergency contacts, medical conditions, et cetera. And those are coming through more and more every day. But the challenge was to get folks to understand the importance of A, having the portal, just having it, and B, using it. Like, I know that you had put policies and procedures in place that they were to use it correct? Yeah, if I can, just real quick, just why we did that. Um, we Again, we brought this on to address the problem that we've all been complaining about, which is location accuracy. We've all, let's be honest, we've all complained about it, right? Yeah. We've all said we've got this call that we can't locate, and we've, we've voiced that frustration. Here's a resource that we've got that we can address that, and even if it's one time in the shift, there's one call that we've made a difference on, and we've been able to locate somebody that otherwise we wouldn't have. And I'm going to throw you under the bus again, Tracy, because I know when we first brought it on, I was emailing you success stories where I was so excited and saying, look at this call that we otherwise wouldn't have located. And it wasn't the person calling in a, a parking lot accident. It wasn't somebody calling in, um, you know, their their laptop got stolen last week. It was true emergency calls right, that we located right. so faster. I mean, we we those calls that I sent to you, those those were calls that we would be calling the cell phone companies and pinging and it would have been such a more, much more involved process. And with this, um, you know, it just really made a difference in us being able to, to locate those callers. And I, I think, yeah, you're right. There's sometimes there's some hesitancy to, I've got to go put this phone number in. I've got to do this. I've got to look at another screen. Um, for us, we really mitigated that with those success stories. We shared those. We, we sent it out to everybody and said, look at what we did at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon and look at what night shift did at three o'clock in the morning. They'll look at this call that they found and it got everybody pumped up to using it. And uh, I, again, I think just sharing those success stories and showing the difference that it made on our end really got a lot of good buy-in with our, uh, with our staff. Oh, with your staff, with your surrounding agencies. I know you are a huge advocate for us, you know, branching out, you hosted a lunch and learn for me to come down and, and do presentations, which you know, one of the things that I always say is, is even just conversations like, like this, right? This isn't an infomercial. We're not trying to sell you anything, but we really do want folks to understand the benefit of the free technology. 
um, in my podcast last uh, last week with with Mark Swiderski, he said free 99, which I thought was was pretty funny. Um, but it is free technology, right? And and a lot of times I'll I'll see conversations that go back and forth in some social media groups and and instead of our our folks like just pausing and absorbing the potential of what this can do to help them in their job. You mentioned those are calls that could have resulted in having to be pinged through the the cell provider, the networks, and 20 minutes later, you might get that information. And one of the other things you showed me that was really cool when I had visited your center is the camera systems that you guys had in in your agency. And, and you gave me an example, and I don't know if you remember this, but we were standing in the room where all those really cool cameras were, and you talked about how cool it is that if you get this information, like say an Uber call that comes in and it tells you the vehicle make, model, color, license plate, state, and all that, and now you find it on that camera, now you can follow it, right? Isn't that what you said? Like Absolutely. You can literally follow it from camera to camera? Yeah, we had... Uh over 36 cameras in our downtown district and uh yeah absolutely you can get a you can get a call and i remember me and you doing some testing with uh basically where we we had a computer and we were sitting there riding around and doing test calls and watching how it mapped out and watching how that live um, update on that location was um and that's that's kind of what we were looking to do with with rapid sos was was kind of combine the two technologies Rapid SOS is great by itself, but you can also tie it to other technologies and use it um, to supplement other things as well. That's so cool. And then now here comes jurisdiction view. So we know uh, at in our our meetings, you know, trying to figure out how do we better this? How do we how do we better the product? We're always trying to better it. We take you know, feedback from our 911 folks. The benefit to having it be like a web-based portal is if, if something doesn't look right, if it doesn't behave right, if it's not what they want, um, or it's something they do want. I know recently two features that have been added that, that folks are wicked excited about are the audible tone that when the pin hits the screen, they actually get notified audibly. So sorry, that was added after you, you moved out of the center, but also (laughs) I know that was one of the things you had asked for. So it is in place. So you, you help drive that forward and then night view, right? So being able to, to change the colors, to, to have it suited. But one of the meetings, uh, our, our wicked smart folks, as I refer to them, in New York City, um, we're talking about the ability to push the location. So as soon as that call comes in to our platform, so it was called the Clearinghouse. We now call it the Emergency Response Data Platform because it does have so many more benefits than it than it previously had. But they were saying, if we're getting that location, a lot of times before the phone is even ringing on the handset, why are we not pushing it to them. And that, that idea of jurisdiction view was, was born. And you, I think were one of the top five beta sites that we had. So you guys were looking at this. What, what did you feel when you saw those locations hitting the screen before the calls were coming in your center? But furthermore, what did your folks feel about it? 
Yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you, you brought that moment up because that's one I remember very clearly. It wasn't all that long ago, and uh, I know I'm still getting old nowadays, but I do remember that. I remember um, sitting in our 911 center on a conference call with Rapid SOS, basically waiting, walking through the process and getting jurisdiction view turned on. And the first time of logging into that screen and sitting there and waiting for it to be turned on and then seeing those calls plot automatically was just absolutely um awesome everybody was walking around the room looking at each other's screens and looking at what they were seeing and it was kind of you know it was just it was a new thing but it was so cool and I hate using the term but I'm going to use it it was game changing for us um it it really was and and let's be honest it's something we all wanted from day one we all wanted that automatic um without the manual inquiry and y'all did it and I think that uh, again um from our standpoint it was just a major game changer for us. We're, we were a college town, so we deal with, with a lot of calls, especially during football season. So we have so many people come to our city for the Georgia um, Bulldogs football game. And again, hate to keep going back to it because there's so many other benefits to Rapid SOS besides just location and accuracy, but that addressed such a big problem for us. And being able to look up at Jurisdiction View, uh, we actually put it up on a, a big monitor just for situational awareness to see that there was a uh, you know five or six calls coming from one side of town or in one side one one street and being able to the dispatcher being able to see that and automatically getting resources going that way without even without anything else even going on was just game changing for us and again just changed kind of changed the whole way we were doing things yeah it's it, it's been really exciting i uh, we love to hear success stories so if you're listening and, and you have a success story and it doesn't mean somebody's life was saved it's a it's a weird situation that otherwise you may not have been able to resolve and i know one of the things that we've really identified with jurisdiction view um, is the fact that not all 911 area code calls so if the 911 if the alley screen is showing a 911 area code, forever telecommunicators assumed it was a disconnected, disabled cellular device. And what we're finding with both the query view and even more so with jurisdiction view is that's not always the case, that there are other reasons where a call has a very valid service. It, for whatever reason, maybe bounced onto somebody else's network. It's a, you know, a prepaid phone without minutes. There is probably about 10 reasons listed on the FCC's website as to why that might happen and what folks are starting to see now. And and on Jurisdiction View, it's popping up not only with a location, but with the phone number and then potentially additional information from one of our, our data partners. So the looks on their face, I'm sure is priceless. I'd love to to see that. So as you mentioned, it's not all about location. Like there's so many other benefits and it's it's portable, right? So God forbid you have to, to move out of your center for whatever reason. And that's going to lead me kind of to this next topic. Uh, I know that I mentioned at the beginning that you are the deputy state coordinator for the Turk team. And you guys just went to Baldwin County 911 in Alabama. Tell me a little bit about your recent deployment. Yes, I also sit on the NJPI board and and help coordinate some of these uh, deployments that we had, not only with Georgia, but I I coordinated last week getting the first set of teams there um, from Louisiana and Tennessee. 
Um, and they went and, and served their deployment, but then we realized that we needed a relief team to come in because um, Baldwin County, Alabama still needed help. Um, these people were set to demobilize and go home on Wednesday and Baldwin County still, they still needed that, that resource there. So we coordinated some additional teams and sent Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida there to basically relieve them and, and keep that going. Um, the funny thing about that is we sent dispatchers from Baldwin County, Georgia to Baldwin County, Alabama. Um, that there's kind of a funny story there. Uh, when I got the request and we knew that we were going to have to pull some resources from Georgia, um, one of our team leaders is the 9-1 director for Baldwin County, Georgia, and she's been on every out-of-state deployment we've had. And um, she was one of the first ones I thought of just because of that Baldwin County connection. I just thought it would be really cool to have a Baldwin County in Georgia going to help a Baldwin County in Alabama. That is really um, cool. Our girl Mandy, correct? That's Mandy Patak. Yeah, she's uh, she is one of our turt rock stars here in Georgia and is a huge supporter of our our uh, our program here. Awesome. And so I know that Baldwin County in Alabama got got hit pretty hard. Um, and one of the things that we are also working on is uh, tactical accounts that folks don't always know are available in these, you know, massive situations. And depending on how much advance notice, they are they they may be able to set up a tactical account where where folks can see a little bit bigger area than than just their area because we know how how you know, when you move into another 911 center, well, your equipment that you rely on every day might not be there. Um, and I got a text message from one of my dispatcher friends from Tennessee, you know, telling me that she was in Baldwin County and that they're using jurisdiction view. And it, it was so extremely helpful, especially when these folks you know, they're, they're fielding calls outside of their jurisdiction. Have you heard any feedback on how the folks are doing, how they're adjusting and, you know, any, anything yeah, you want to point out there? They're doing well. Um, we were initially set for our team that we just sent to come home uh, next Wednesday and they're actually talking about sending them home Monday. So things are getting better there, which is great. Um, please continue keeping them in your thoughts and prayers, but things are looking better there. But Again, going back to jurisdiction view, it's funny. I've been getting pictures from our team in Georgia. Um, <laughs> I love seeing pictures, and I love, you know, getting updates from them and seeing the pictures. And what's funny is every time I get a picture from one of these deployments, I'm sitting there looking at their screens and seeing what CAD they have and seeing what phone system they've got because that's just a nerd in me. And I look, and on one of the screens at top, one of the big wide screens, I see jurisdiction view. And it's just funny because I just immediately, you just immediately recognize that. And uh, awesome. I was glad to see that being used there so um yeah yeah they did they did some pretty cool things they you know ba uh, dan in baldwin county has you know he he was sending me messages letting me know that they've allowed other their secondaries to have access as well because they want to make sure that every tool is available to folks right like i think a lot of times in public safety we get very set in our ways and We've always done it this way. And, and you said something that I wanted to, to kind of circle back to is this is what we've wanted for a really long time, right? And, and then it's, it's almost handed 
on a silver platter. There's really no other way to describe it, right? Like it's free technology. All you need is that link to the internet and, and it's life-saving, you know, we, we say game-changing, but it, but it's also life-saving. And my, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this last question and then, then we're going to kind of move into the wrap up and, and unfortunately we're running out of time and I could talk to you all day, you know that, but my question to you is there are still folks out there that are hesitant about putting access to the emergency response data platform into their 911 center. And then furthermore, there are folks that actually have the access, but they haven't made the steps to access the jurisdiction view, the, the automatic push feature. If that person that was hesitant to put the technology in or has yet to put their shapefile into the portal to move jurisdiction view forward, what would you, what would you share with them? I think, again, like I said earlier, you're just missing out on even that one call that you're able to make a difference on. And I know that me personally here in Georgia, I've walked people through some of the hesitancies there. Um, one of them is the Internet. They, some of them don't have, you know, they don't have their CAD on the, on the Internet, and I understand that. But one way to mitigate that, and I've seen so many people do it, and it's worked out so well, is to uh, put like a, a Chrome PC in there just to run Jurisdiction View or Rapid SOS on. They can... It's very cost effective. They can just put that piece of equipment there. They've got, um, I've seen people now that now that they've done that, they did it just for rapid SOS. They put that PC that they can get internet on there separated from their, their CAD and phone network. Um, but they also are using it for so many other things. They didn't access email because they didn't want internet. Well, now they've got that other computer there to do email on too. Um, but again, going back to either the hesitancy for, for not, for not bringing it on board as technology in your center or for having it not using it again just the the fact that we've been asking for this for so long and now we've got a way to do it and it's free and i get it i was skeptical at first um like so many others i went down the nothing good is for free road and um, <laughs> <laughs> i think that so many people they <laughs> ask what's the catch and there's no catch i promise i am not going to steer you steer you wrong and, and I think that I think it's a good point. You know, Rapid SOS has been around long enough now that if they were going to come knocking on your door asking for payment for something, it would have happened by now. And I don't think that anybody has gotten that phone call or that bill nope. in the mail. So nope. yeah, obviously it is it is free, and um, it, it it's a no brainer. There's no there's no lose there. It's a win win. You're bringing technology on that that can help your telecommunicators. Um, and that's, that's the other piece of it. It's not just about finding the call. It's about being able to do it so much more efficiently. Um, sitting there, I remember sitting there in my, in, back in the center, back in my days of sitting there taking calls and sitting there waiting for Annie Alley to rebid and hitting that button and <laughs> that major uh, overwhelming feeling of disappointment when it continues coming back with nothing when you're sitting there trying to help somebody that you can hear in the background that you need to get help to. Um, and, and I want to go back to one other thing you said, too. And we were talking about this calls plot, and sometimes before it even starts ringing. That's, that's a very big piece of this. There were, I remember so many calls back when I was in the center that we would get hang-ups, and we would call them back, and we would not get anything. And Annie Alley, you know, we wouldn't get – we wouldn't be on the phone with them long enough to get a phase two location. Right. After we came with jurisdiction view, it was there, and we could send somebody. And there were so many stories where we sent somebody there because we finally had a way to get the location – and there was something going on there. They did need help. And I think that's just, 
there's too many cases like that, too many stories like that where you're able to help somebody where you weren't able to a year ago when we didn't have it. It just there's just there's just no lose to it. I think it's it's one of those things that you can bring on board. You know what? Hey, if it doesn't work and you don't like it, then what have you lost? Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's funny that you, there's a couple of things that you brought up, but I remember being in a session one time and there was a director that was, I, I think that his mind was just like, he just, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for it, but he wanted to kind of point out every wrong thing about it. Right. So he said, well, my folks have, have, have queried calls and there's nothing there. And this was when it first rolled out. So in fairness, the devices had had not all been updated. We are definitely seeing a very large percentage of the devices that are sending the device-based location. Um, but one of the things that he said was, um, you know, I'm going to have a hard time getting my folks to query a number if only four out of 10 times it, it brings back a location. And I paused, like it actually, it, I, I, I paused because in that one moment, four people popped into my brain. Denise Amber Lee, Laura Levis from here in Massachusetts, Chanel Anderson, and Kyle Plush. Like instantly, those four people popped up in front of my face. And I thought to myself, I'm like, even if it was, for whatever reason, only four out of 10 in that moment, those are four people that would have given anything to have had their location on the screen, right? Absolutely. And, and when he ever said, I'm going to have a hard time getting them to query, I said, man, that's called a policy. Policies tend yeah. to motivate folks to do their job. So yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you saw that value. I'm so glad that our paths crashed sideways into each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love being able to, to not only work with folks on the technology, but then become personal friends. And, and on a personal note, I, I want to thank you. Um, I had come down to do a lunch and learn in Georgia about, I don't know, a week after I lost my dog and you and your beautiful wife and adorable daughter, Abigail, gave me the most thoughtful gift um, to, to kind of pay tribute to my dog Snickers and that meant the world to me. So I just want to say, say thank you. Do you have well, thank any? You, your, <laughs> your, your friendship has certainly been a, a huge blessing to me and uh, I just want to thank you for that too. I know we'll keep doing great things and we'll We'll keep doing what we do, but just having your friendship, um, especially again this year with some of the things I've gone through has just been absolutely um, great. So thank you for, for always being there and thank you what you do for what you do in our 9-1 industry. Um, we see you all over the place. We know, everybody knows who Tracy is. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's a great she get, thing. She gets around. Every, <laughs> that's right, but they don't necessarily realize what all you do and uh, just want to take a moment to, to just thank you for everything that you do I know you work tirelessly and you give a ton to, to what you do and uh, just want to thank you for that awesome well Jonathan we're going to go ahead and wrap up and I just want folks to uh, make sure that they are 
doing the best they can every day. I know these times are hard right now, but just know you guys are doing a great job. And Jonathan, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you in the very next near future. So thank you so much for joining me and I will catch up with you all later. Thank you, Triton. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow my Facebook and LinkedIn pages On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes. From the bottom of my blessed heart, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and communities, visit rapidsos.com and tell them Tracy sent you.